Cut off on me as soon as I say this. We're going to study the 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel 9, okay? The reason we're going to do this is because somebody asked in our, I think our Sunday school, they asked whether or not the rapture is what kicks off the seven-year tribulation, and uh, we had said, no, it's actually the peace treaty that's signed that the Antichrist presents uh, to bring peace to the world after a tumultuous event. We're going to talk about what that tumultuous event will be that will cause the whole world to finally want to come together in that new world order that they're talking about. Even our president is talking about how we need a new world order, and it's probably getting a lot of nods from the people that's, uh, that's in support of that. And, of course, all those things have to come to pass, just like the Bible says. Um, so Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. I'm going to go ahead and I think I got this on here. Do I have that on here? Yeah, it's on. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and write some things up here tonight to make it a little bit easier. The 70 weeks prophecy, we've gone through Daniel, and uh, it wouldn't hurt to just go ahead and cover it again. The 70 weeks, 70 weeks of sevens. 70 weeks of sevens. We'll talk about that in just a moment. That's the 70 week prophecy of Daniel 9, verse 24. It says there. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins, hallelujah, and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness, bring it on, and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Let's go ahead and just have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, pray that you bless the uh, reading of your word tonight. Bless it as it goes forth. Give us understanding of these things. I pray for each one that's here tonight, Lord, that they uh, would receive what you'd have for them. Make it easy to understand. Make it easy to teach. I pray that you be with my thoughts and be with my mouth uh, for your glory, for the good of your people. Lord, for those that might be here among us that are not yet saved, Lord, and uh, could be in danger of going into that tribulation period, Father, I pray that they would be saved uh, before it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this lesson, we will study the, the, the prophecy that Daniel has here in verse 24. And this period of time is known today mostly as the tribulation period, or as Jeremiah designated it, the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. It's not the time of the church's trouble, as we've said, but it's the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, you might say, Pastor John, do you really think that this is a pertinent message? Yes, just the other day, I was sitting in the living room with a man, and he was sitting in his uh, lazy boy recliner, and I was sitting across from him in the living room, and we were having a chat and talking about everything that's going on in Ukraine and uh, everything that's been surrounding the whole uh, ordeal with them in Russia and what we're finding out about that. And he said, it's looking like prophecy is being fulfilled, and we're hearing about the people wanting to implant uh, folks. Once again, we're hearing about it, chips going into people's skin and talking about the mark. And he said, I wonder how far we're going to go into the tribulation. I want to say tonight... We will not be in the seven-year period 
known as the tribulation period. We will not be in it. Yes, sir. Yes, that's what we're going to do. Okay, to him, yeah, yes. And, and really, if, if he had this sound Bible teaching, it would take away the questions. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason why Brother Clifford brings that up is because Israel works on a calendar of sevens. Um, they're on a lunar calendar as well. We're on a solar calendar. but So their months have 30 days, and ours, I mean, all of them, all of them, 30 days, 360 days in the year. So, but they have a seven-year system. So the seventh year is supposed to be a Sabbath rest for the land. The seventh day is a Sabbath rest for God's people. So um, it wouldn't surprise us then to find us 70 weeks. Now, okay, as we get into this, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, if you'd look at that with me, please. Notice in the first phrase there, uh, 70 weeks are determined. Who are the 70 weeks determined for? It's right there, right in the passage, right in that verse. Unto or upon thy people, okay? In context of Daniel, who's that talking about? The Jews, the nation of Israel, right? You just couldn't miss it unless you were trying to miss it. Okay, so it's designated for God's nation, Israel, and his people, the Jews. To which city does this prophecy apply? Upon thy holy city. And yes, and what would that be? If we're reading the Old Testament through, be Jerusalem. Yeah. So, um, and to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation, so on and so forth. So there's something that's going to happen to the city. And the city, uh, all of this, if you can think of it this way, think of there just being like a big bullseye, and the bullseye is right on Jerusalem. That is the hot spot of the world. It always has been. That's the center of God's interest and concerns for this world. That's the apple of his net cult, the full of an ass. That begins the Passion Week. What's the Passion Week? Uh, we celebrate it every year. They all say, you know, uh, blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, there you go. And of course, you know, they're talking out of both sides of their mouths and they reject him. That's 69 weeks. Then there's a gap. Okay? It's a pretty large gap, but let's put it over here. Then there's a gap, and then it starts again for that final seven weeks. Or s- and this gap right here is the church age. Okay? That's the church age. I don't know why I did that. So when the Messiah is rejected, God stops dealing with the Jews. He turns to the Gentiles to bring in a harvest. Now I'm thankful for that because you're living in the gap. So am I. We're ministering in it. And you've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now is your time to bring people to Jesus Christ for salvation. He's letting us in. And he's going to close out the church age. And what is he going to close out the church age with? With the rapture of the church. We'll be caught up to be with the Lord. The rapture. And then we'll start the 70th week 
the Great Tribulation, okay? Now, I'm going to draw that in, in a little bit more detail in just a moment. This is just going to represent the seven years of the Great Tribulation. Okay, so let's, let's turn... Well, before we do, Sir Robert Anderson calculated the end of the 69th week to fall on Palm Sunday just before the Lord's crucifixion. That's where we get that from. So it started in the Jewish month of Nisan, 445 B.C., back here, 445 B.C., 445 B.C. That's when it started with the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. He calculated that all the way up to Palm Sunday, and the date that Renald Showers, he's a Bible teacher uh, for Friends of Israel, or at least he was for many years, and he taught that that was A.D. 32. It would have been the springtime of A.D. 32. Okay, 445 B.C., A.D. 32. Triumphal entry. Got that? Okay. Then there's a gap. There's a pause. Now, if you can find Zechariah, Haggai, I think it's Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, it's right before the end of the Old Testament. It's the second to last book. Zechariah 9.9. If you get to Matthew, you went too far. Okay, let's stop and just kind of review. Who does the 70-week prophecy pertain to? Who does it involve? The Jews. In which city is it really focused on? Jerusalem. Okay, so... Was the church in existence in the Old Testament when the prophecy was given? Was there a church right in here? No. This prophecy does not have anything to do with the church. The church is here now, but we're in the gap, and we're still waiting for the 70th week to be fulfilled. And guess what? The church won't be here for the 70th week. The rapture. I'm going to prove that to you from Scripture in the remaining few minutes that we have. Okay, Zechariah. Uh, 9 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, upon a colt, the foal of an ass. There you have that prophecy. That's about 487 BC when that was given. And we know when that was fulfilled Palm Sunday which according to Renald Showers, A.D. 32. Okay, now you could compare that with Luke chapter 19, and it wouldn't be a bad idea, but we won't go there. But you know what happens in Luke chapter 19? Before the Lord rides into Jerusalem, he stands up on the Mount of Olives, and that's on the eastern side of Jerusalem. And he's standing there, and he's overlooking the city. He sees a panoramic view. And he stands there and weeps and says, If you would have known the time of your visitation, Luke chapter 19, 41 and 42, if you would have just known the time of your visitation, but they didn't. And so he says, Therefore, you're blinded. Now, that's pretty scary stuff. You know what that means? He held them responsible to be students of the Bible. Excuse me. He held them responsible to be students of the Bible, and they didn't know their own book. 
And he said, you should have known because they had the 70 weeks prophecy. He even referenced the 70 weeks prophecy in his teaching, Matthew 24. Yes. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. They should have known. And they didn't. And he, so he judged them for it. So he said, therefore, you'll be blinded. And then he went down and rode into the city. But he wept over them. And see, what happened as a result of that is that he knew that they were going to reject him, that he was going to the cross. He'd been telling his disciples over and over again, and they just weren't getting it. He said, the Son of Man is going to be taken and is going to be killed. Yes. And so, you know, here, here's the thing, guys. We are giving prophecies uh, to the church, right? The, the church has received prophecies about the coming tribulation and the rapture. We're not going to be in that tribulation, but do you know what happens to those who know the gospel during the church age? They've heard it. They know how to get saved, but they just keep putting it off and messing around and won't get saved. When the church goes up, God says he's going to send a strong delusion so that they'll believe a lie. Just like Israel, he said, you should have known the time of your visitation. Therefore, you're blinded. Light rejected becomes darkness. The people who go into the tribulation and will believe a lie, uh, according to what Paul says, and I believe this is so, they will be damned. They will be deceived. But there will be other people in the tribulation who never knew the gospel, and they'll hear and they'll believe. So you better, like I think I have said, it's better to get saved now in the church age when it's easy. And I don't know that that's entirely accurate. I think if you know how to get saved right now and you don't, you won't in the tribulation. You'll believe a lie. It's a judgment. Light rejected becomes darkness. So they should have known the time of his visitation. Um, <clears throat> so now there's a gap. That's what we're living in. Let me catch up with my notes. Uh, now, uh, the church was born on the day of Pentecost. During the church age, the church was born. The end of the church here on earth, our ministry, will be with the rapture. Let's study what that rapture means in prophecy. Okay? Let's turn together to 1 Thessalonians 5. Just a couple more places tonight. 1 Thessalonians 5. So this is why I say, I can say with confidence, I can say with certainty that you ought to be at, at ease concerning what is going on in the world. And, and if anything, it ought to just tell us, you know, everything is just shaping up the way that the Lord said it would be. But you should not be living uh, in, in distress or fear that you're going to go into the tribulation or that you're going to endure the things that you find written down in the book of Revelation, you see. You shouldn't live in fear of that. So 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 1. You know, the church is mentioned in Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3. But in Revelation 4, you won't find the church mentioned. And then once the, the judgments, the wrath is, start, uh, is, is poured out and those judgments that Revelation tells us about, you know who you do find mentioned? Upon thy people, you'll find Israel, the Jews. Uh, I think something over 20 times. And not once is the church mentioned during the time of God's wrath upon this earth. You know why? Because it's not here. 
And then at the end, after the great white throne judgment, then the church shows up again with the new heaven and the new earth, the kingdom and the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. So it says there, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, let's think about that day of the Lord. This is the future day of the Lord. Future day of the Lord. So what he's referring to is he's talking about the future day of the Lord, the tribulation period, and when he comes back, his second advent. So this right here is the, we've called it the 70th week. We've called it the, the Great Tribulation. I'll just put GT, the Great Trib. This is also the future day of the Lord. All capital L-O-R-D. The future day of the Lord, because right here at the end is when the Lord comes back, and that's the second advent right there, second coming of Christ and when he comes back, he comes back to judge. So the future day of the Lord is referring to the tribulation period and the second coming of Christ to destroy Israel's enemies. Pastor, yes. Yes. Only the Father. The angels don't know. And the Father is just going to say to his son, All right, son, it's time to go. It's time to go deliver Israel. Salvation is of the Lord. Yes, that's right. And uh, no man knoweth. That time. So he says here, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. A thief is not going to call you and uh, leave a message on your voicemail saying, hey, I'm planning on stopping by this Friday night and just want to let you know about two o'clock in the morning. No, they don't do that. A thief comes when you're not expecting it. That's what the Lord's saying. When I come back, it's when you're not expecting it. You see, Paul went from talking about the rapture of the church, which is at the beginning of the tribulation, in, verse, in chapter 4, and then he goes to talking about the second advent, or the second coming of Christ, now in chapter 5. And he's talking about everything that occurs in the book of Revelation. So, he says, you all know this. That means that he taught this little church all this stuff in just a short period of time that he was there. Verse 3, For when ye shall say, Peace and safety... Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now, here's some details. Here's some details that you might not be aware of yet. Jesus said, when I come back, it's going to be like a thief in the night. And at this time, they will say, peace and safety, peace on earth. You know, peace and safety, then sudden destruction, referring to the tribulation period. Sudden destruction shall come upon them as, so he's saying it's like this, it's like this, here's the illustration, as travail upon a woman with child. The first birth pang. That's the one that the woman, she doesn't know when it's going to happen. Right? Am I not... Am I, am I not correct there? The first birth pang. She doesn't know when it's going to happen, but she can tell it's coming, right? 
She doesn't know when it's going to happen, but when it does, you know, it's pain, right? Travail. And then after that, they start happening again with greater frequency and greater pain, correct? So he's saying there's a, there's a travail that happens and you don't know when it's going to come. It's all of a sudden, it's like a thief in the night, travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. Do you know what the birth pang is? The very first birth pang of the tribulation? Of this, well, let me say specifically, the very first birth pang of this future day of the Lord. Do you know what that is? It's the rapture. That's the one that no one knows when it's coming. And it's the first one. It's as a woman with child. She doesn't know when that first birth pang is coming. The rapture, when that happens, that's a catastrophic event. The Lord takes his people out of this world. And people will be on the news saying, I think it's aliens. They'll be saying all kinds of things. Okay? There'll be a lot of religious people still in church that Sunday. And they'll be like, well, what was it? You know? Okay, that's the birth pangs. That is what happens that kicks everything off. And then the world is in chaos. It's thrown into complete chaos, worse than COVID. And then one man steps up and is brought to front and center and is supported by all the major media outlets. This is the man. This is our hope. This is our future. And it will be the Antichrist. And he will, right here, he will put together a peace treaty plan with the UN, the United Nations, and all that stuff, there'll be a peace treaty, and he will somehow get together the Jews, the Roman Catholics, and the Muslims. They'll all get together in this thing, and everybody will be accepting everybody, and he'll say to the Jews, you can go ahead and worship in your temple, and they will be doing animal sacrifices. Now that peace treaty will be broken... Remember, this is seven years, so that peace treaty will be broken right here. And that's when the Antichrist stands up and declares that he's God and says, you have to worship me, and it's enforced, the, uh, the uh, mark of the beast and all that, that's enforced at that point. And if you don't come and worship him, and if you don't get the mark, then you'll be beheaded. You won't be able to shop if you don't have the mark of the beast and all of those things. So let's continue reading. But ye, brethren, Paul says to the church, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day, who are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober, for they that sleep, sleep in the night. You see, Paul believed that Christ could return at any moment. He just didn't know when. But he, returned, he believed he would return in his lifetime. And this is what he said about those that are going into this dark day that is going to be thrust on them all of a sudden because of the first birth pang, the rapture of the church. Those that are going through this dark day, this is what he says, it's, a, it's called, verse 9, the wrath, the day of wrath. For God hath not appointed us, the church, to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the clearest reference in Paul's writings to show us, and it's the most basic, that you're not going through the tribulation. And you're not going through the wrath of God. That's not for you. Okay? 
Let's finish it up in Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Um, There are people who believe that we are going to go through four or five years of the tribulation period and that the wrath is going to come in about the fifth year or so and that we are going to be caught up before the wrath. They call it a pre-wrath rapture. Matthew 24, verse 5. And you know, folks, that just doesn't work. You know why? Again, the 70 weeks prophecy, that's what we've been talking about. The church has nothing to do with the 70 weeks prophecy. We're not in any of it. If we weren't in the first 69 weeks, you know, we're not in the 70th week. Um, Matthew 24 and verse 5. Paul says we're not appointed unto wrath. Paul was expecting the rapture of the church at any time during his day. Uh, he, He expected the Lord to come back. Matthew 24 and verse 5. For many shall come, this is Christ saying, many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. You see people being deceived. Ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. We sure are. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, but there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. You see, there's sorrow and pain uh, around pregnancy. And the first birth pang is that first one that hits us. And that's referring to the rapture. All of these things, we see these things happening in greater and greater frequency. Now, Let's look at one last thing in chapter 24, verse 22. Except those days should be shortened. Now he's referring to the tribulation. And specifically, the last half of the tribulation, the last three and a half years, are the, are the, this is, this is a false peace. This is the wrath period. Okay? He said, if these days were not shortened, no flesh would survive. In verse 22. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, we won't run all the verses, but if you compared that, maybe someone who's listening, uh, if you compared that with Isaiah 42.1, Isaiah 45.4, and Isaiah 65.22, you know what you'd find out? This is not the elect of the church. This is the elect of... Israel. This is God's people, his, his chosen people. There will be a remnant of Israel that will be saved in the tribulation period. You say, how do you know that? Again, comparing Scripture with Scripture. The Bible is its own commentary. You look at those three references, you know what you'll find out? You'll find out that Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Jacob was an elect person chosen over Esau. Jesus is called the elect in those three references I gave. Jesus is called the elect, the Messiah, chosen to be the seed to come forth to bring these things to, to happen. And Israel, it's, it's unmistakable. Isaiah 65, 22, unmistakable. Israel is called God's elect. And then in the New Testament, you have the church, which is called God's elect too. We are chosen out of the world to be a people for God. You see? 
but it's, it's separate. Okay? So that is my strongest uh, teaching and evidence of why the church will have nothing to do with all of these things. But we might actually get to see the man who will be the Antichrist. We might actually see him before we go. Uh, and and that's, that's debatable. But the world, when the rapture comes, the world will not know what hit them. And if you think, I'm just going to get saved later on in life and I'm going to play around and I'm going to enjoy you know, sowing my wild oats and maybe someday later on I'll get serious about God, I just wouldn't do it because we believe that Christ could come tonight. Right? Um, all right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like I said, I heard that Kentucky preacher say, uh, if you think the church is going to go through the tribulation, that would be like the Lord, because we're the bride of Christ, right? We're going to be taken up with him, and we're going to be married in a spiritual union. It'd be like the Lord taking his bride out behind the barn and just beating the sense out of her, beating her bloody, and then taking her up to the altar and having the preacher marry him. He's not going to do that. That's not what he's going to do.